Clovis, building a healthy life together. What's up, everybody? Justin Nault here with another episode of the Perfect Paleo Podcast. My guest today is Trisha Nelson. Trisha is an emotional eating expert and the best-selling author of the book Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. This episode is going out on January 1st for a very specific reason, because we are officially going to be drowning in a sea of New Year's resolutions. Uh, Posts all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, of everybody talking about their resolutions, which usually begin with fitness, calorie counting, and yo-yo dieting. We are all familiar with this. It comes around and happens every single year like clockwork. And uh, I'm not about to rant about New Year's resolutions here on the podcast because I've done that plenty on my social media. Go follow me at The Clovis Culture on Instagram and you can hear all my rants about failed New Year's resolutions and why the entire concept is so flawed. And that's why I wanted to put this episode out today, the very first day of 2019, to give you some really solid information in a world full of noise, really, really bad fitness and nutrition advice that you're going to be seeing here for the next couple of weeks until all the New Year's resolutions peter out by February, right? But for the next few weeks, you need to stay strong and you need to stick to accurate information. And that's what this podcast is going to give you, tangible actionable items to change your life for the better, specifically surrounding nutrition, mental health, emotional well-being, and just overall happiness. I am super excited to introduce you to Trisha if you don't know who she is because this is one of those situations that just really makes my heart happy where I was introduced to Trisha just randomly by my dear friend Autumn Smith from Paleo Valley who's been on the podcast and she said, hey, you you really might want to talk to this woman and the first thing I did was pick up her book and just read it cover to cover one weekend and I was just blown away. I mean, she approaches the topic of nutrition for women in a way that I've never seen done before. It's really, really valuable. I mean, in my opinion, the book just hits the nail on the head. And then when I finally get a chance to sit down and speak with Trisha, I was not disappointed. I mean, this woman just has a heart of gold. She's really trying to help people. She's been through the ringer with her own personal journey. She knows where you've been. If you're struggling with this concept of emotional eating, Trisha has been there and she can help you. And she's just really a great source of positivity and just light in the world, trying to help women shed light on the fact that these habitual behaviors that we have surrounding food, they are deep rooted, usually in childhood trauma, and you have to get to the root problem, expose it, and deal with it before you can ever, ever expect to have long-term sustainable success with your health, wellness, and eating habits. And Trisha just does an amazing job of shedding light on that and, and helping women normalize some behaviors and some feelings that they may normally feel shame surrounding. Uh, Trisha just exposes these behaviors, brings them out into the public forum to discuss, and that is super, super powerful, just letting women know that they are not alone with these these struggles surrounding nutrition, weight, body image, mental health, all of these things. So I really, really think you're going to get a ton out of this episode. I love the conversation, uh, listening back to it and editing it. I'm just super excited to bring this to you on January 1st, the first day of 2019. Please listen to this episode. Take notes. Go consume Trisha's content before you think for one second about jumping in on the latest crazy boot camp 21-day, 30-day detox fitness challenge, blah, 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 blah. Listen to Trisha. 
take in what she's saying, get to the heart of the matter, and see sustainable results once and for all. Now, of course, I am going to talk to you all about Trisha Nelson's full bio, who she is and what she does. But first, as always, this episode is brought to you by Clovis. I am the founder and CEO of Clovis, building a healthy life together. I am in the business of transforming people's lives. I am a certified nutritional therapist, certified specialist in sports nutrition, and certified specialist in fitness nutrition. It is my job to impact people's lives for the better. If you want to get a better idea of what I do, just head over to imclovis.com slash start, S-T-A-R-T, where you will find incredible testimonies, videos, images, social media posts, and a lot of happy tears from my current clients who were brave enough to share their stories with you in hopes that their story will inspire others to make changes in their lives. You can take advantage of my free seven-day trial. That's right. I will give you full access to all of my members-only content for free for a full seven days so you can see what Clovis is all about. You will get full access to the I Am Clovis members portal, which includes instructional videos, fitness routines, recommended supplements, recommended reading, recommended podcasts, and the Clovis approved foods list. You will also get a free copy of my ebook, The Perfect Fat Loss Guide, a 30 day protocol for rapid fat loss results. You can find all this and more at IamClovis.com slash start. Okay, a bit more about Trisha Nelson. Trisha Nelson is an emotional eating expert and author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. Trisha Nelson lost 50 pounds by identifying and healing the underlying causes of her emotional eating. Trisha has spent nearly 30 years researching the hidden causes of the addictive personality. She's also the host of the popular podcast, The Heal Your Hunger Show. She is a highly regarded speaker and coach, and Trisha has been featured on NBC, CBS, KTLA, Fox, and Discovery Health. In this fantastic conversation, you're going to hear Trisha and I discuss her journey of emotional eating. We talk about shame and exposing shame. We talk about how childhood trauma manifests itself, why 98% of diets fail, how to identify whether or not you're an emotional eater, and Trisha's top tips for ending emotional eating. It's just really a wide-ranging conversation with tons of actionable advice, steps that you can take today to deal with these problems that might be plaguing you surrounding nutrition. So I really, really hope you enjoy this conversation with Trisha Nelson on the first of the year. Avoid the New Year's resolutions that will inevitably fail you. Get to the root cause, listen to this discussion, take notes, dive in, and do the deep work. And one last thing before we jump in, if this conversation really resonates with you and you decide that you really want to go deeper and get a handle once and for all on your emotional eating if you think that is something you struggle with. Trisha has graciously provided me with a special coupon code just for my listeners. This code will give you $100 off of Trisha's program, 10 Weeks to Freedom from Emotional Eating Now. Of course, I will provide you with a link in the show notes for this episode. You can just follow that link and use coupon code CLOVIS, all lowercase, C-L-O-V-I-S. Use coupon code CLOVIS at checkout for $100 off of Trisha's 10-week program. So if you want to work with Trisha and learn a whole lot more about emotional eating, this is your opportunity to do so. All right, on to the episode. Enjoy this conversation with Trisha. Thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year. 
What's up, everybody? Justin Nall here with another episode of the Perfect Paleo Podcast. My guest today is Trisha Nelson. Trisha is an emotional eating expert and author of the number one best-selling book, Heal Your Hunger, Seven Simple Steps to End Emotional Eating Now. I am officially a fan of Trisha's after reading the fantastic book. I'm super excited to have this conversation. Let's jump in. Trisha, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Justin. It's great to be here. You are very welcome. I can't wait to get this going. Oh, also, by the way, I realized that you are a fellow New Englander. Oh, yeah. Raised in Concord, Mass., the beautiful uh, historic town. It's beautiful there. Yeah, I grew up in Rhode Island, went to school in Boston, and then my my whole extended family is still in Blackstone, Massachusetts. So. Oh, wow. That's cool. Are you going back for uh, any time soon? I try to get there twice a year. It's usually once in the summer where I just hang out in Newport, Rhode Island, because I love it there. Yeah. And then usually once around the holidays, but somehow that did not happen this year. I'm too oh, busy. too bad. Too bad. <laughs> well, it is, it is beautiful. I'm, I'm glad I don't live there, but it's beautiful to visit. I totally agree. We're in complete agreement there. So uh, to give people a little bit of a backstory, I was introduced to your work by Autumn Smith from Paleo Valley, and I just love her. She's a dear friend, so I take her recommendations very seriously. And I read your book, and it just hits the nail on the head. It's, it's fantastic. It's really funny timing, um, and I don't think this is coincidence. I don't believe in those things, but I just released a podcast episode with this silly topic that I called body hair and insecurity. So I just kind of let out some vulnerabilities that that men have. And it's it's really unbelievable how easy it is for old wounds and trauma to creep up even in adulthood when we think we have ourselves together. So for me personally, it's a perfect time to have this conversation. And I want to just start at the beginning with you. So what it, what is your journey with emotional eating and how did that lead you to start Heal Your Hunger? Yeah, I started way back when as an emotional eater. Of course, I didn't call it that. I just thought I liked food. So I am, I mean, literally as far back as my memory goes, I was obsessed with food and I love to eat. I love to eat. I love to cook. I love to, you know, play restaurant as a kid, you know, anything having to do with food. I was super psyched. And, um, you know, it, you know, loving food is a great thing, but problem for me is I gained weight really easily. So slow metabolism and I put on weight and I was a chubby kid and that was super painful for me. I hated being fat. I hated being bigger than my friends. I had so much insecurity about it. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> um, so I had so much insecurity about it and I, you know, didn't know what to do. So when I got into high school, I started to diet, you know, and try different things, exercise programs and pills and potions and lotions. And, um, and it wasn't working for me and I was really gaining weight and I had this roll in my tummy that I would scrunch up and I'd imagine cutting it off. Like you'd cut off, you know, fat on the side of a steak <laughs> or, or, you know, I thought about getting some disease where I'd automatically lose weight and wouldn't have to try or <laughs> even this is the craziest thing, but I even thought, Oh, maybe I'll join the army and they'll force me to exercise at boot camp. So that's how like out there my thinking was because I was so out of control. Like I just couldn't like get my weight down and I'd be like up 30, down 20, up to 10, down five. Mm. I had five different pairs or different sizes of pants in my closet because I never knew what size I was going to be. Wow. So it was really, yeah, it was really bad. And, you know, after trying all these different things that didn't work for me, um, I mean, I even went to 12 step programs and therapy and 
eating disorders therapy and, and nothing I tried worked. And I felt so frustrated and really hopeless because when I tried so many things and they didn't work, I thought, wow, my whole life is going to be about gaining and losing, gaining and losing and doing this yo-yo thing forever. And I knew that was so unhealthy and I was so scared of just having that be my life. So uh, by a beautiful turn of events, I was introduced to somebody who really helped me see that my problem had nothing to do with food or weight, that it had everything to do with what was driving me, those those underlying causes. And, um, you know, when I started to, he's, he's helped me to really do that, really had a system for that. And when I started to do that, everything in my life changed. Like I really realized I was an emotional eater and that I was driven to eat by my emotions, you know? And so, um, by the grace of God, I mean, I had been 50 pounds overweight and by the grace of God, I've been thin, you know, close to 30 years now on account of, um, getting that help. And I developed, um, this system based on the work that I, uh, uh, have, I did a lot of research over the years about this problem and heal your hunger is really about helping people deal, like apply this system so they can get rid of that underlying gunk, if you will, that's yeah. really, you know, just it's under the surface and it just, it's kind of like the Norton antivirus in the back of your computer, you know, like it's just eating away, causing anxiety and nervousness and just like that need, that, that need to just stuff, you know, that need to just check out. And so, um, yeah, it's just beautiful to see people finally waking up to the fact that they're emotional eaters and the fact that there's a way to deal with it. Yeah, what I love too is that you're very careful and meticulous in the book about pointing out behaviors that you you these behaviors are no longer taboo because you let people know that they're not alone in them because you you talk about some pretty outrageous things like grabbing <laughs> food out of the garbage can and and yeah. things like that and you know I can tell you firsthand now having worked with with all these women that those those behaviors are very real and particularly in the beginning when they're working with a health coach or somebody they're not always upfront and honest about them because there's so no. much guilt you know so much shame oh my god yeah so i that's exactly right i'll just sort of elaborate on that a little bit like i would have these binges so i'd get these you know i'd get my binge foods together like my sweet my salty you know some chips and some mm. you know brownies and ice cream the whole thing get my binge food together sit in front of the tv just have this you know like started out to be a lot of fun this great binge <laughs> you know, but it never ends up that way. And I, I'd get so incredibly stuffed that I would throw, like I couldn't finish the food. I wasn't like a puker or anything. So I didn't, I didn't get rid of it that way. I'd just be stuffed. And then I would throw the rest of the food out and I would be so sure I'm never going to eat this again. Like it's so gross and so disgusting. I'd throw it out. And then like I'd pass out on the couch and, and a couple hours later when I wasn't as stuffed and there was room in my tummy, mm -hmm. I'd totally like renegotiate that decision. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, you know, there are some cookies left and I'd go get them. And I just thought I was the only person in the world who's done that. And I actually created a, I, I sort of reenacted that and created a, a YouTube video many years ago. And it's gotten like 30,000 hits or something of people who are like, oh my God, I've done that too, you know? Mm -hmm. So definitely, you know, it is pretty common and it's so shameful, you know? And, yeah. but that's a, definitely just one of the many things I did. And that is the problem 
problem is that we live with this and we think we're the only person and that just exacerbates the problem. You know, that feeling of being alone and separate and different and having the secret that we're holding on to. And that just literally causes us to eat more because we're just in that isolated place and, and having no connection to other people or feeling like we even deserve connection with other people. Right, right. It's been so interesting for me as well to work with women. It's been a a huge eye-opening experience because that kind of behavior, the food out of the trash, or there's a lot of women that'll say, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night and I ate an entire jar of peanut butter. And I've always had this thing where I'm like, I don't really understand that because nutritionally I'm super disciplined. And now that I've done the deep work and even with therapy and all these things, I'm realizing, oh, okay. And I like to point this out to women so they can learn about the men in their lives that it doesn't necessarily manifest the same way in men, but there may be the same underlying causes. So I was an overweight kid. I lifted weights like crazy in high school. I got hooked on hydroxycut and ephedrine, and I just hated my body. And what I found now is, is recently, I'm now self-aware enough to see this, but I had this sort of little relapse where I had a, a difficult time at a family gathering that brought up just a little bit of childhood trauma, kind of kicked up the dust, And the next morning I found myself, I woke up very sad and I knew that I was sad. So what did I do? I ended up in the gym, squatting tremendous amounts of weight and deadlifting almost to the point of injury. And then sitting in my sauna for over an hour until my skin burned and then jumping straight in the cold shower and just almost masochistic behavior where I'm just like, oh, I see, I have these same underlying issues that lead to emotional behaviors, that behavior for me just doesn't manifest in food because I grew up idolizing Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. So I think it happens with men as well. It just manifests in in a masculine way. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. And the thing is, so I have this thing called the PEP test, okay? And this is like the three primary drivers of really addictive behaviors. So it could include the working out obsessively, you know, Mm. it could include obviously the eating, uh, the obsessive eating and or drinking, whatever it is. And the PEP is an acronym and it stands for, the first P stands for painkiller. So we use food, emotional eaters use food to kill pain, okay? Uh, like we have emotional pain, like you're killing pain with the exercise. So we have, uh, you know, these these underlying causes, these, these painful experiences from our past. And it's usually where it starts, mm. um, you know, and then we create, we recreate that pain in, in our adult life. So we have pain relationships, abusive relationships, you know, jobs that don't fit us, you know, mean bosses. I mean, we just create pain um, in our lives or have pain, you know, from our childhood and we eat to just anesthetize that pain, you know, but it can be anything. It can be working out. It can be anything Um, that, so the second, uh, the E in the PEP test stands for escape. So we use food as a form of escape. So, you know, when, when life gets really stressful, when we get afraid, you know, and, and, and we've got all these like pressures and things going on in our lives that we feel like we can't handle, we get all our favorite foods sitting in front of the TV. And it's like, you know, don't like, I don't want to deal with the world. Like we want to shut the world out. And so we use food really as an escape from fear and all this, these, this inner uh, stress. And then we use food as a form of punishment. And this is why I'm bringing this up because it reminds me of what you're talking about. Mm. And people don't think of food as a form of punishment because it's like, no, this is my treat. I deserve this. This is like, I'm doing something good for myself. I'm getting my favorite foods here and having a treat. But 
you know, if you, if you play it out for the emotional eater, it never turns out well because we always go to, not always, but, you know, we'll, we'll often lose control and go, you know, go overboard and then we feel completely stuffed and gross. And, you know, we have zits on our face. We're bloated. We cancel mm-hmm. appointments with girlfriends because we're like, I don't want to be seen right now, you know, uh, or boyfriends, whatever the case may be. And we just don't, you know, we feel so bad. And that's something we do to ourselves. So it begs the question, why would I do that? You know, and it has a lot to do with guilt. Like we carry, like we're very sensitive to guilt and feeling bad and feeling shame. Mm-hmm. And so we punish ourselves. We beat it. Literally, we use food to beat the crap out of ourselves. And you just use exercise, right? <laughs> in that instance to beat yourself up, you know, and it's really, it, and it's really all three. Usually it's, it's usually somehow, if you really look closely, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're using as, you know, to kill pain, you know, to kind of keep fear at bay and to hurt ourselves, to punish ourselves. And it's, it's beautiful, you know, addictive habits are great because you get all three, <laughs> like it works yeah. in, in, in all three ways. Yeah. And they can teach you a lot about yourself too. Uh, you had one section in the book that I really, really loved where you were talking about sugar in general. And you just said, we need to stop looking at sugar as depriving ourselves and think about, the removal of sugar as an act of self-love. You know, I think that's really important. It's so true. You know, the way sugar reacts in my body. I mean, when I eat sugar, I just want more sugar. Like I'm totally a sugar addict physiologically, you know, sugar addict. I mean, it's true with alcohol. Alcohol is the most refined form of sugar. Like Mm. I never drank a little bit, like I always over drank. And it's because I believe it's literally reacting in my body. So you know, it's so hard for me to eat one piece of chocolate, you know, or one cookie. Like that's just, that's just not satisfying to me. Like I want to eat a whole lot. And it's like, mm. you know, what am I doing to myself when I'm trying to just control and eat just one or one spoonful of ice cream? Like that's murder for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say it, you know, none is better than some, you know, some doesn't work for emotional eaters. You know, I'd rather, you know, eat none then try to eat it and then always, you know, be on, afraid of losing control. Yeah. Yeah. It's like telling an alcoholic to have one drink, you know? Yeah. Just... It's hard. And it's like, why would I like, do that to myself? You know, yeah, that's, yeah. That's just put myself in a terrible situation. Well, so you've obviously, you've had quite the journey yourself and it's amazing to look in the book because seeing you now talking to you, like you, you share even some pictures in the book. I'm like, that's not the same human, you know, (laughs) but it's, it's, you, you had to become aware of this. So that's my next question for you is how does one know if they are actually an emotional eater or a food addict? Is, Is there a way to determine this definitively? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and it's, you know, it's a journey of awareness, you know, like I thought, you know, growing up, I thought I just like food. In fact, when somebody said they were an emotional eater, I thought that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. (laughs) Like, you know, that's, that's, that's crazy. And yet after hearing it, I started to observe my behaviors with food. I'm like, oh my God, I'm an emotional eater too. And so it's really an awakening of our consciousness, you know, and anybody who's, you know, hearing this probably is going to start seeing their habits in a new way. Mm -hmm. um, If they weren't already aware of being an emotional eater and a lot of people are aware of it, but um, a lot of people think, you know, because I say, tell people I'm an emotional eating expert, you know, 
um, they, I always hear everybody's story, right? So I'm yeah. sure you hear everybody's story about weight loss, but, um, but you know, some people who are morbidly obese will say to me, I'm not an emotional eater. Um, or I don't, they don't relate to that. And yet I believe anybody who's carrying around excess weight is an emotional eater. I mean, frankly, yeah. I believe all people are emotional eaters. Okay. It's just a spectrum, you know, and it's where are you on the spectrum and food addiction is at the high end of the spectrum and just regular old feels good and comforting to eat a muffin. You know, that's mm-hmm. on the low end of the spectrum. And so really where you are in the middle, you know, it, it, where you are on the spectrum is really determined by the consequences, you know, how much it's affecting your life, how much it bothers you. Like some people could be like, they could be thin as a rail, but they're obsessed with food and they, you know, can't wait to eat, you know, at every meal or to get their favorite snack. They drive around town getting just the right kind of chocolate bar or whatever. Mm. You know, that person could come to me for help you know, and they're not even overweight, whereas an obese person could be totally oblivious to being an emotional eater. Um, and a lot of times when people tell me who are overweight, say they're not, they're not an emotional eater. It's because they, they're thinking I don't binge and hence I'm not an emotional eater, but that's really, it's more about, uh, how you use food. And also it's oftentimes just the foods that you gravitate towards. So somebody may not be a binger and yet they eat large quantities of food and they're always choosing heavier, starchy, fattier, you know, more sugary foods. Like just you pare it down, like they prefer a banana over an apple. They prefer a potato over broccoli. You know, Mm. we, we tend to really love the carbs when we need the anesthetic of food. And so- Anyway, but to get back to what you asked me about, um, somebody really, I have a quiz actually, which makes it really clear where you are on that spectrum. It's an emotional eating quiz. And if people take that quiz, they get a personalized score and then an action plan. And because it's not, you know, it's different for people, whether they're, if they're a food addict, the action plan is going to be different than if you're just an occasional, you know, overeater or whatever. And so they can take that quiz and find out, but it really comes down to, you know, how it affects you. Like, is it, is it bothering you? Um, also do, are there consequences? Are there health consequences to your eating? You know, are people commenting, you know, is it like, uh, is it, is it your go-to at all times when you have any kind of troubling emotions? Mm-hmm. And that's really how you can know, um, you know, to what extent it's really a problem for you. Yeah. It's important just to identify it is the thing, you know, because like you said, it, it ha- so on a, on a, on a nutrition level, the way it happens in my practice is I'll have people say, let's say it's someone who's a hundred pounds overweight and they don't have a gallbladder. And I might suggest maybe we should try some digestive enzymes here to help you absorb nutrients. And they'll say these things like, well, I've never had a problem with digestion in the past. And I say, okay, let's think about this for a second. If you're a hundred pounds overweight, you have a problem with digestion right now, without a doubt, every day of your life, but it's just become your quote unquote new normal. So you don't recognize it the same way you're saying people won't recognize emotional eating. I hope everybody takes that quiz. This is a great idea. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. So from the nutrition side of things, why is it that you, you call it the yo-yo? I always tend to call it the roller coaster. Why is it that just literally, I mean, 98% of all diets fail, just completely fail. What, What do you think? Do you think emotional eating is the underlying root of this failure? 
No question about it. No, it's so crazy. I mean, we spend billions of dollars a year on diets, you know, mm. and people are blowing it. I mean, we're literally wasting billions of dollars every right. single year. Diets for an emotional eater, they will not work. I mean, yeah. flat out, they will not work. I mean, I just met somebody this weekend who she just lost a bunch of weight on the HCG diet and mm-hmm. she knows she's an emotional eater. And what I know is that she's going to like the honeymoon's going to be over very soon. And she will put that weight back on. Like so many people do, you know, and it's really because they're looking at the symptom and they're not addressing the problem. I mean, the overweight is a symptom of overeating and overeating is a symptom of what's eating me. And Mm. so I've got to go there. I've got to address that. Otherwise, I mean, just putting a bandaid on it because the weight comes from my, again, anesthetizing that pain, that fear, and that guilt. And if I don't change the way I live, I will have the same stress that I will stress eat over. So it's like, it's, uh, here's a good example, is that if you have a cancer patient in the hospital, right? They're, they've got this terrible cancer and they're on a morphine drip because they're in so much pain. So they're on this morphine drip do they have a cancer problem or a morphine problem? Mm. Like they have a cancer problem. Sure. And, and, right. And so it's not like, Oh, what do we do about this morphine? How to deal with this morphine? <laughs> how do we lessen the morphine? No. Like how do we get the hell, like, get that cancer out of them? And that's the same thing. It's like, I, it's not really a weight problem. It's, it's my relationship with food that needs to be transformed. Um, and that happens by not using food, to cover up all my emotions, you know? And so, uh, you know, it's so silly to think that you're going to remove the food, the excess food, and everything's going to be wonderful. You know, sure, you get a high when you lose weight. You fit into your clothes. You know, people make wonderful comments. You know, everybody notices. That's great. It's not great for everybody. It freaks the hell out of some people if they've had sexual abuse in their past. Like, they're Mm. like, oh, way too much attention for me. Better start eating, you know? So, but the bottom line is it, you know, whatever the reaction, it, it pales and then they're back to needing what they needed in the first place. Cause they've got all this stuff. Another good way of looking at it is, you know, and vendors will understand this. If you're binging in your car, you've bought the, you know, you've got stuff to 7-Eleven, you've gotten the chips, you've gotten the candy, you've got the, you know, the, the cookies, you're eating the soda, you're mm-hmm. eating the stuff, you're driving around, listening to the radio. I've done this so many times. That's why I'm describing it so aptly. <laughs> Um, so eating, you know, eating, eating, and you throw the wrappers in the back of the car, right? Mm-hmm. So you're throwing the wrappers, you throw in the can, you know, you're throwing everything in the back of the car and it's piling up in the back. You know, maybe you don't clean the car out each time. So it just piles up and piles up. And one day you're driving along and, and you're reaching for brownie. And then you're like, Oh no, it's a stoplight. I have to stop. And you mm-hmm. slam on the brakes and all that crap from the back seat comes flooding forward, right? <laughs> right? Like all of a sudden you've got wrappers all over you in the front seat. Well, that's really what we're talking about. If you diet and you take that food away, 
you've got all that stuff that you've buried from all your overeating coming up in your face. Mm. And it's overwhelming. You know, if you don't have the tools to deal with those emotions and, and all that's there, if you don't have a really good solid plan for how to process that, and I'm not talking about going to 20 years of therapy. I right. like there's a very simple way that each time stuff comes up to deal with it and then get rid of it. But that's really what we're talking about is that's all that stuff coming up. And of course, a diet's not going to work for somebody. They're going to be back to the food in no time because they don't have the tools for dealing with what comes up, all that trash that they've thrown in the back. Yeah. I, I talk about that a lot with the roller coaster. It's why I hate that all these diets nowadays have a number of days attached to them so that it's, it's automatically programmed in your brain that this is temporary. So you might have like a 30 day plan or a 21 day sugar fix or a seven day detox or whatever. And the societal norm at the end of these temporary fixes is that people celebrate. And like you talk about in the book, reward themselves by going straight back to the crappy food that got them in the situation in the first place. They're like, well, I did 21 days with no sugar. I deserve this cheesecake. And thus the roller coaster <laughs> just insane. keeps going, you know? It, do, yeah. do you have any tips for ditching that food as a reward system? Like, Well, I mean... It- Here's, I mean, it's, yes, I mean, it's, you know, conventional wisdom be like, find new rewards, blah, blah, blah. But it's really a deeper problem than that, you know, because, um, you know, my whole orientation was towards food, you know, and so food as the reward. Um, you know, it's really important for people to look at what happens. Like if you could handle like one slice of cheesecake and, and you're good, you know, maybe that's okay. But for emotional eaters, it doesn't stop there, Mm. you know, and, and the problem with emotional eaters is, you know, they think that they should always eat dessert, you know, like dessert was just part of my mentality, but for people who are thin and fit, it's not like they, they have, it's to them, it's like a special anomaly. You know, if they have dessert, it's not a normal thing, but emotional leaders are so oriented towards food. So the point is my whole, or the whole idea that food is my everything and it's all about food. That's really what needs to change. Mm. Um, and so, and that, that's a deeper, you know, that, that can change when I start seeing how connected to food I am. You know, when people start waking up and seeing, wow, food is everything. Like if I'm making holiday gifts, it's I'm baking bread. If I'm, mm. you know, uh, if I get out, go out with friends, I'm going, we're going to get ice cream or we're going out to pizza. You know, it's like, food was my life and that we really have to take a look at that and ask why that is. And it's really because we are addicted essentially. So, I mean, so the short answer is, wow, you know, are there other ways that you can reward yourself? And I tell people that all the time. Um, but it's, it's when it's, we're really hooked on food. It's like, we got to deal with that. You know, we got to deal with the fact that like, like food was my best friend, essentially. Like food mm. was totally everything. Like I wanted food more than I wanted sex. You know, like I wanted food more than I wanted connection with other people. I wanted food more than anything in the world. And, you know, that is an addiction. Like I, I, I had such an orientation to food because, and again, it's not just about stopping the addiction. It's like, why? And it's because I, it was, I had so much stuff going on inside that I was trying to run from. So when I say it's deeper, it's really, it's a deeper hunger. 
Yeah, there's there's so much more to it. Like you say, it's not just about are you eating too much or is food a reward system or are you eating when you feel emotional? It's not just that, it's deeper. And that's where you really get into, and, and um, I want to get your take on this, have you touch on it here, but that's where you talk about this, what you call the anatomy of the emotional eater. Can you fill people yeah, in on that? Totally. So through my research over the past 30 years, I've really identified 24 personality traits that make up the emotional eater's personality, you know, and there are other ones, but uh, these 24 traits, um, what they're about, they have nothing to do with food. Okay. They have everything to do with, you know, the way really coping skills that we learned um, mm. and, and ways that we kind of orient ourselves to life. And this is that, this is where that deeper hunger comes from is that we live in such a way that we create, um, this stress, you know, that we then stress eat over. But the good news is that if we're creating the stress, you know, if we're setting this whole thing up essentially because of our personality traits, we can change and we can change the outcome. Mm. You know, so people think the cravings just happen. They're like, what do I do about these cravings? Well, you need to really unpack the cravings because they don't just happen. Like cravings don't just happen. I know when somebody's in the thick of, like if you're eating sugar, cravings do just happen because you're physically addicted to sugar. You know, like if if you've eaten sugar and you want more sugar, it's because you're physiologically hooked on it. And I've, I've been there. It's, it's a hard addiction to overcome, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you haven't eaten sugar for a week, you know, and you've drank a lot of water and taken some, some good supplements, you know, you're not physically addicted anymore. So if you're craving sugar, then it's an emotional craving and the emotional cravings can be, you know, you can evaluate that and look into that and see what that's about. And that's the beautiful thing is that you can actually change, you know, the trajectory of having a craving when you realize it's mostly emotional and like most cravings are emotional. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the, per, the anatomy of the emotional eater, I'll tell you, uh, the top one. Okay. Cause I can't obviously do <laughs> hijack your show and do all 24, but, <laughs> sure. um, but the, the top, uh, like across the board trait of emotional eaters is that we are consummate people pleasers. Yes. Okay. Like such people pleasers. And the reason I believe is because, I mean, it's not like we have the corn on the market. Lots of people are people pleasers, but it's, it's like a defining characteristic of emotional eaters. And it absolutely leads to overeating every single time. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you know, so many emotional eaters did have trauma in their past, you know, and, and so much pain. And that's when they started to bury it. And I had sexual abuse in my past, which is very common for emotional eaters. And I Mm. packed on the pounds, you know, and, and so, and, and it's not like there's one thing that happened to people. I mean, it's like, I basically learned at a young age that if I, like, I didn't, I was very feelings averse, like emotions averse. So I just ate over everything, but sure. definitely some trauma in the past. So, um, and, and if people grew up with a, you know, abuse, like emotional abuse or physical abuse, point is we, we don't have a strong sense of ourselves. Okay. We don't have self-esteem. Therefore we are looking outside ourselves for approval for that, that, uh, validation that we are desperately needing. 
Okay. Mm. Cause we don't have it. So when we're needing that validation, you know, we are saying yes to everything. We are so eager to please. So we take on other people's jobs. You know, we do other people's jobs. We do our kids homework. You know, we we're out there saying, yes, we're, we're chairing committees. You know, it's like anybody, anytime somebody says, you know, somebody needs to what such and such we're raising our hand. Cause we're, our name is somebody, you know, and yeah. it's like, we're hoping that we're going to get like praised. We're going to get, it's really kind of childish, but I mean, this was my whole MO in my life was to get that praise and validation for people to think I was wonderful, but I paid such a high price for that because I, I ran myself ragged, you know, doing, 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 and I was exhausted. And the problem with people pleasing is people are never as pleased as we expect them to be. Like sometimes they don't even notice what we did. So then we're resentful. We're like, that's not fair. You know, I just busted my butt and you didn't even acknowledge me. So we're not only like exhausted, but we're pissed off Mm -hmm. and it's the great prescription for a binge. And we go home and have the, I deserve it binge. Like nobody else is recognizing me. I'm going to. So it's a vicious cycle and, and, but we do it. Like we're the ones who did it. We didn't have to say yes to all those things. There was a payoff we were looking for. And I'm telling you, it is not worth it. Like, because it's so, you know, uh, short lasting, you know, that praise, even if we get it, even if people are like, Oh, you're just magnificent. You're the best. That's it. Like you can't pay your bills with that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and it's like gone. And then you have to start, start all over again, getting some more praise because it's like such, I mean, so just it's gone in a instant. So, um, so that's really a trap for emotional eaters. And, you know, if we start to evaluate, you know, what the payoff really is, what the cost is and what the payoff is, usually the payoff is much, uh, smaller than the cost. And so emotional eaters really need to learn boundaries and to learn to say no, to learn Mm. that they're not going to die if somebody disapproves of their decisions. I mean, I literally thought I would die. Like if somebody was mad at me, you know? And so this, this pattern is really, uh, it's really ingrained and it had, we've got to change it. And so in my program, I talk a lot about communication and I help people like change their communication because we're also afraid to speak up for ourselves. It's another one of the uh, 24 traits is that we like we stuff our feelings and we don't speak up. I say we, I, 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 you probably saw this in the book, say it or stuff it, you know? And it's like, we don't express ourselves, you know, we just think, 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 but we don't, it doesn't reach our mouth. It doesn't come out of our mouth because we're so afraid of people being angry with us. Um, but you know, part of the transformation that'll happen, somebody wants to really, you know, change their relationship with food. It has to involve really learning to express ourselves because it's, it really is say it or stuff it. Yeah. What I love too. And, you know, I've seen a lot of, I've tried to research as much as I can in, in this space to try to help women because it's become such a large part of my demographic. And what I love that you did that I have not seen a lot of with, with other programs or books or what have you is you spell out the fact that you can have very low self-esteem and a very big problem with ego. Um, you really help women understand that ego is what's at play here. This idea of giving, but it's conditional. You really want praise or you act like a know-it-all. You want people to recognize all these things you've done. 
and you hit the nail on the head. You're the, the only other person that has ever done this because for me, it was like this little N equals one. I was just looking at my own audience and my Facebook groups and all that. A tremendously large number of nurses. Mm. the people pleasers, they want to take care of people and they openly admit it. I have all these nurses, they talk to each other. Hey, we're nurses. And I mean, just oh, uh, this, this, it's like an epidemic of obese nurses. Yeah. Caretakers. They're care. Yes. Yeah. They're caring for others, not themselves. Yeah. And they typically, you know, uh, care t- consummate caretakers are usually are often, I'm not going to overgeneralize, but often grew up in alcoholic homes Oh, and wow. so uh, that's where they learned that, you know, they were taking care of the drunk parent um, who wasn't parenting. Instead, mm-hmm. they were, you know, sick. And so oftentimes that person becomes, you know, the head of the house or taking care of the other siblings, you know, but, you know, at a very young age, they had to, you know, stop being a kid and start being responsible. And like they get this hyper um, vigilance around, you know, checking out where the danger is, where the problems are, how can I fix it? Big mm-hmm. fixers, big fixers, you know, which, which is another way of saying that is, uh, you know, busy bodies, <laughs> you know, like yeah, we, we're, yeah. we're meddlers. Like we, we, we take on way more responsibility than we should. I say we, I didn't grow up with an alcoholic parent, but this is typical for people who did is that they, they're, they're, they're height. They have this sixth sense, this hypervigilance for, you know, what needs to be fixed so that they don't, you know, end up with a raging parent, you know, who's going off, you know, off the handle. So sure. it's really it's sad for kids to have to grow up that way, but it mm-hmm. does translate into becoming caretakers in their profession because it's just, they know it so well, they do yeah. it so well. And there is very, uh, hospitals are one of the sickest, most unhealthy, I mean, sick, yes, but unhealthiest places because the food, I mean, the refrigerators are stocked with garbage, like just garbage, you know, everybody brings their leftovers in and there's such unhealthy food there because they're trying to get through. I mean, I have got a client who works like 14 hour days when she's on shift and it's yep. like, she's, it gets so hard because you're so exhausted. You're go, go, go down anytime, any downtime. And then you walk into the break room and there's just a bunch of crap. I mean, it's like, you have no resistance whatsoever. You need energy. You're hungry and you're not going to go eat a salad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's so sad. It's so, so sad. It is. And, and the other thing I try to get across to people, all I try to take it to childhood nutrition as much as humanly possible because that's the future, right? It's great to fix yourself. But what I try to tell these parents is you may have grown up in a dysfunctional household and you may have built what you really think is a functional household. And you're like, you know what? I'm a much better mom than my mom was, maybe because you're not a drunk. But what you're not realizing is that you are handing down your behavior. So little Susie sees mommy weigh herself every morning. She sees mommy starve herself. She sees mommy eat ice cream and red wine in front of the TV. She sees mommy weigh herself again the next day. And she sees the look on mommy's face when mommy doesn't fit into the genes. That is also traumatic for a child. There's this idea that, you know, Heal your own trauma, yes, but also make sure that you're not creating it for these little ones, you know? Oh, it's so insidious, yeah. And I got it from my mom. I mean, she had food issues, you know, when I was growing up as a kid. Both my parents were uh, overweight as children. So I had the physical, you know, propensity to gain weight, um, but definitely, you know, messed up, (laughs) messed up messages around food for sure. 
Yeah, that's the thing. It just, it really carries on. We think of things like of disease as genetic, but it's really more the behaviors. That's, that's yeah. what you're passing along, you know? So true. Yeah. So I know uh, we got a little bit of time left here. So I just want to get to get into what I would call actionable advice. So if you could pick, let's say three things that you recommend a person do to end emotional eating right now, just fix this thing. Um, so the number one thing I would say is slow down. Okay. Because overeaters are overdoers. <laughs> right? We're doing so much. Again, want to get that approval. But I mean, it's, you know, real. There's life is stressful. There's lots of people to take care of. We've got to pay the bills. So, but we don't leave time for ourselves. And so we're going, 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 and we cannot keep up that pace without overeating. So something's got to change. Like you can't just remove food. Again, that's why 98% of all diets fail. They take away the food, but they don't change their life Mm -hmm. or the lifestyle. Like I have to change my lifestyle. I have to slow down, you Mm -hmm. know, and I cannot say yes to everything. I cannot do everything. I have to recognize my limits and that's just unusual for emotional eaters to do that. So I'd say the first thing is slow down. Like, like this is not a race. And if you slow down, the reason why we don't slow down is we're afraid to catch up with ourselves. You know, right. we're afraid of all that, all that stuff that's inside. And so we're running as fast as we can away from ourselves, but we have to slow down and catch ourselves, you know, and while it seems scary, it's really a beautiful, beautiful journey to discover mm-hmm. who we are and what's going on. So, um, you know, take something off your calendar, like just like what, look at your calendar. Do you have to be doing everything that's on the calendar? Can you delegate to somebody else? It's very hard for us to ask for help. It's very yeah. hard to ask for help. It's very hard to say, you know, admit that I can't do it all myself, you know, and, and get help, you know, in holiday time is a good example, you know, who can help with the dishes, who can help with, you know, make it a potluck instead of doing all the cooking yourself. I mean, it's like just all these things that, you know, we have to start to reconsider. So that's definitely a big one. I also will say, um, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but for emotional eaters, the scale can be so addictive. So I just say like ditch the scale. I agree a hundred percent. I tell them to throw it away day one. Yes. Thank you. Right yep. on. So it's like, if you give the scale, the power to make you feel good, guess what? You also give it the power to make you feel bad. Yeah. And, and the problem is, it's like, if it tells you a good, a number you like, then you're like, woohoo, I've got some wiggle room, right? I can eat some. And then that, you know, then you change the whole story. Mm-hmm. Or if, if it tells you something you don't like, and you've been working so hard and all of a sudden it's like, n- n- doesn't budge right on the scale you're like, screw this. I'm going to go eat, you know, so either way it's a setup. So there's just no benefit in that. Um, you know, and then I'd say the third thing is get on an eating schedule of three meals a day with nothing in between. And I say that because this is a way for you to start to get to know what's going on inside. So it's not, a, I'm not I don't say that as a diet. I say it as a way to like have some space to know what emotions you actually have. 
Yes. You know, and so as emotional eaters, we're used to just grazing all day long, really, so we can stay numb all day long. But, you know, if we have some space in between, I'm sure you'd recommend that from the digestive standpoint. Um, but definitely from the emotional standpoint, you know, hunger is not the enemy. Hunger can provide space for us to see what we're actually feeling, what we're actually afraid of. You know, right. people are so afraid to feel hunger, um, not because hunger is so terrible, although it to them, it, to emotional eaters, it feels like it's terrible. But what's terrible about it is it's revealing. You know, hunger is revealing and it reveals things that we're afraid to look at. But again, this is a really important journey. And, you know, looking within is the solution, not only to overcoming emotional eating, but also to happiness, you know? So the other thing I'll add, I know I already gave you three, but the other thing is don't do this alone, you know? And I just highly recommend you get support. You know, emotional eaters need other emotional eaters, um, because we feel like pariahs, because we're the only, we feel like we're the only ones who've done these crazy things. There's so much healing that comes from being in community with other emotional eaters. And, um, that's why I have my, you know, my community that I've created with Heal Your Hunger, but it's just so important not to try to do any of this stuff alone because it's virtually impossible to do it alone and without support. Yeah. You had a lot of great points in the book that I loved about that in particular, because I'm really big on telling people and I'm harsh about it and I catch flack for it, but I'm like, if someone in your life is consistently negative and toxic, remove them, period. No questions asked. Even if they're blood, remove them. You can come back when you're ready to be nice to me, you know? So I think that's an issue. And what I loved is you told people to embark on this journey and keep it quiet. I love that. Don't I tell people all the time, don't walk into a restaurant and the waiter walks up and you say, well, I'm paleo and I'm also low carb and I want to know what you can do for me because I'm on a diet. You know, it's insanity. And then yeah. if you can't get that support system in your current circle of your family, your friends, loved ones, whatever, then go find a different support system. It's the reason why we do these Facebook groups and community. Right. So I just okay. want to end this with giving you the opportunity because I, I, I told this to you off air, but I can be intimidating. I get it. Like I'm a fit guy. First off, women are shocked when they come to me overweight as this fit guy. They're like, what should I do? I'm like, one, eat clean. Two, stop doing intense exercise. Three, sleep way more. And they're like, wait, what did you just say? They're like blown away. I'm like, yes, we're not there yet. We'll figure out the fitness later, you know? Yeah. So can you, I just think your program would be great for a lot of people who aren't quite ready in your face, Justin from Clovis, you know, so tell them a little bit more about your community and how they can get involved. Great. Um, yeah, it would be a great compliment to your work. No question about it, you know, and, um, it, I have a program called 10 weeks to freedom from emotional eating. And this is something that people join and they, they literally get walked through my entire process. I mean, I have a proven system for overcoming emotional eating. So people will learn that process, but they'll also be a part of the heal your hunger community, which mm-hmm. is, you know, a, a private community on Facebook where people get that, you know, identification with each other. And then I do live calls as well weekly on that, uh, with that same community. So, um, you know, which is super important because connection and community with other emotional eaters, as I said, is vital. Um, so, uh, that's really what the program is about, but it really gives people 
so much freedom around their food choices, around um, just stopping the the enslavement to food, you know, the cravings. And it's really like a new way of living, but it's really not much about food. Like it's really about the self-care, the self-esteem, the communication. It's really, you know, addressing those 24 personality traits um, that create stress. So you start living differently and that you not only eat differently, especially if they're getting your support, Justin, uh, but they're, you know, it's a, their whole lives can change. Like the blossoming of people's self-esteem when they go through this uh, transformation is incredible. And I just love seeing it, but it's like, don't do this work alone. You can't do it alone, you know, and you can't do it from a book either. You really need the contact and the, you know, the real connection with other emotional eaters and a plan. So that's what I offer. And I'd love for people to take advantage of that. And what I'll do here, Justin, um, and you can, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to provide a coupon code where people can get a discount on that if they do that through your show. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's I, I really think the work will complement. If you have anybody that wants to learn about biochemistry, send them my way. I'll send all the emotional leaders to you. And you bet. You bet. Really, I just genuinely want to say thank you. I'm so grateful that you are out there in the world and you're doing this kind of work. It's tremendously important. It's never been more important than it is right now in 2018. So thank you so much for doing what you do and thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, have a great rest of the day. Too. What's up, everybody? Me again, just giving you another little reminder that Trisha has graciously offered $100 off of her 10-week course. I will provide you with a link in the show notes that will lead directly to that 10-week course, and you can use promo code CLOVIS, all lowercase, C-L-O-V-I-S, promo code CLOVIS at checkout. I'll give you a link, and you can sign up if you're so inclined, for Trisha's program, 10 Weeks to Freedom from Emotional Eating Now. So if this episode really, really resonated with you and you think this is a struggle that you need more help with, um, it may be the type of situation where you're not quite ready to dive in headfirst with Clovis. Clovis can be quite restrictive for some people who have not dealt with these root causes. So this may be a helpful way for you to jumpstart things and then come back over to Clovis and work with me when you're ready to really jump in and take your health to the next level and truly optimize for health and wellness for the long term. Uh, So I will give you a link to Trisha's program, 10 Weeks to Freedom from Emotional Eating Now, and you can use the Clovis promo code and get yourself $100 off of the program. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Happy New Year. I got a good thing.